Conversation, the podcast to support your spiritual revolution. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin. I'm so excited about this episode with the amazing medium, Jamie Butler. She generously gives a very practical exercise that you can start using in your sleep time to develop your psychic skills. I'm so excited about what she shared and I can't wait to try it myself. Jamie is a medium and an intuitive educator working internationally for over 30 years. Her life's goal is to help wake people up to their infinite possibilities for healing, joy, and success by sharing deep knowledge of subtle light energy through hosting experiences, classes, and workshops. She uses humor to help shift perspectives and to let go of learned behavior. And you're going to see this in the episode. She's such a light, beautiful, fun being. She believes in having fun while evolving. And she's the author of With Love and Light, a true story about an uncommon gift. So if you're interested in developing your mediumship, channeling and clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance, and so forth, I highly recommend checking out Jamie's offerings either on YouTube at Jamie Butler Medium or at learnitlive.com forward slash Jamie Butler. So we'll get into that in just a minute. But first, if you're dealing with restless nights and constant stress, check out True Vega. This simple but powerful handheld vagus nerve stimulation therapy only takes two minutes morning and night to reclaim your peace of mind. This revolutionary device stimulates the vagus nerve to reduce stress and promote a deep, restful sleep. Your vagus nerve plays a crucial role in regulating various bodily functions, including heart rate, digestion, stress, inflammation, and mood. True Vega delivers gentle energy impulses to the vagus nerve, leading to a wide range of wellness benefits, including reducing stress, increasing focus, and improving mood and sleep. This technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. It's a drug-free and easy way to improve your health. Use code MCPOD for $15 off your order. That's MCPOD for $15 off. Check out TrueVega.com. And now, enjoy this episode. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to talk to you. <laughs> thank you for having me here today. I really appreciate it. So... You have so many skills, so many spiritual gifts are open for you, Claire gifts. And from what I understand, you were born awakened, it seems. So or your gifts were already there as a child. Am I correct? Yes. I just figured I forgot to turn them off. <laughs> well, you know, you and I were connected by Lori Williams and Lori and I share that we feel like we came in like really asleep. Like we just, it, we didn't have a lot open and it's just kind of come about later, but we were both very mainstream, very like regular childhood, regular kind of early adult life. But it seems like you came in and you just had much more, thinner veils, let's say, than a lot of the rest of us much thinner veils. My childhood playmates were disembodied. <laughs> if we can just <laughs> say it like that. They were spirits. I played tag with them. They We played school together. They would get up in my bedroom and teach me certain things, point to the wall, and I would listen. And 
It was all very loving and super supportive. It was so safe, an incredible feeling. So what was that like for you? Literally, you were seeing these other beings, and Mm -hmm. did they look different enough to embodied people that you knew? And did you know other people couldn't see them? Do you remember? I do. I have several memories of not being able to tell the difference if they were disembodied or embodied, because sometimes the energy is so thick, you can't really see through it. Mm -hmm. And I have several memories with my dad, like bringing energy, like animals and things to him and being like, look at this. And him just kind of ignoring it or pretending it was something else and me losing my mind. Like I brought him- Because he couldn't see it. Mm -mm. I remember bringing him an animal in spirit. It was a kitten and he drank it. He thought I was bringing him imaginary food and I lost my mind. And I remember being in restaurants and in the car and wanting to save seats for all my friends. And my brother would- poke at the air and he would sit on the empty seats and I would just lose my mind. I'm like, why would you do that to them? Because when they would engage with the energy, it would dissipate. It would just kind of dissolve and disappear. Of course, it never hurt them, but I was humanizing them. And I believe that's why I developed my gifts the way that I, not gifts, abilities, intuition, normalcy, (laughs) they're not gifts. The way I develop them today is based on humanizing my childhood because it was just a little bit more unique. And so I didn't know how to say to someone or even question to someone in the room, do you see that person? Because they Mm -hmm. look like a person. Why would I ask somebody else if they saw them? They look real. I would just expect it they did. Uh And did you have any sort of person in your life, like a grandmother or anything who shared this with you, or you just really had no foundation (laughs) outside of your own eyes? As a child, no foundation. So around six, my parents were just like, at my mom, you know, she was kind of like, I need to keep you safe. This is enough. You're looking a little weird. We got to normalize you. So can you reel this in? Say goodbye to your imaginary friends. You're never going to talk to them again. We're going to leave them here on vacation in Helen, Georgia, as we travel back to Florida. And so I appeased my mother because I love her and I trust her and I did it. And it was the first time in my life from like six to probably around 13, 14, that I was really alone. I didn't have the visitations anymore. I didn't have the premonitions. I didn't have the knowings. I turned it off to help my mom Mm. in a way. So then when I moved to college, it all started to come back to me. And that's terrifying. I'm a young adult trying to adult and I'm at parties and I'm seeing things that I'm like, are other people just like I had at one party, I knew that this guy's mom was in an accident and she was in the ER. and, And I couldn't tell you how I knew that. I just knew it. I thought somebody told me that's how real it was for me. I must have heard it through a grapevine. So I went to the kid and I was like, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. That's what you do, right? You're kind. So I was like, I'm so sorry. He was like, what are you talking about? So I was like, I heard that she's not well, but she's going to be okay. He got the call later that night, not when I had given the message. So then rumors start to happen of how did she know that and how is she making that up? Where is it coming from? And then, of course, kids and anything that you don't understand can become part of a cruelty where they are like, oh, 
she's different or she's a witch or she's whatever words you want to put to it, which I don't really find that as an insult these days. However, they were trying to describe me and it just made me feel even more different, which I didn't want. I really wanted to belong. And that seems to be my crutch in life is that I do want to belong. And it's just the masses right now don't really accept everything that many of us are able to do psychically and intuitively. Yeah. Wow. It's funny because I look at this from my perspective and I'm like, wow, those are amazing gifts. What a gift, right? But there is that whole other side to it of, especially because I feel like so many more people are awakened now than they were when we were going through college and we're older now. So that's different too. People have more experience and wisdom as as we get older and tolerance and curiosity. And then the earth is changing and humanity is changing. But I can imagine that was, yeah, (laughs) I can imagine that was really difficult. So as you, so were you able to start to come to terms or was that as another setback where it's like, okay, this stuff is showing up, but now I'm the unusual one, I want to rein it in again, or? Oh, I had a huge setback. I irresponsibly decided that when I did recreational drugs, I recognized that it would turn my abilities off, where a lot of my friends were doing recreational drugs to tap into that extended world. I was doing it to numb out. And I found myself in a really bad predicament of allowing too much of that in my life. So I had to quickly decide, what am I going to do? Because every time I sobered up, all the beautiful lights came back, all the beautiful spirits. It's not even like they were saying negative things. It was all encompassing and and conditional and just wonderful. Like, why would I run from that? Again, like my whole theme was I wanted to belong. I didn't want to be different and ostracized. So I found a woman in uh, Gainesville, Florida, where I went to college at UF, and she taught this class called Six Weeks of like Psychic Awareness. All right. <laughs> Took that, blew my mind, and the teacher was like, I want you to come to my private classes at home. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I want to do that. She's like, yes, please. And I found myself being 20 young, like 22, 23, probably younger than that. <laughs> Yeah, 20, 21, in a room of 50-year-old and plus. They were just coming from their midlife crisis and opening up and looking beyond the expectations and the normalcy of society and developing this beautiful world in their life, reclaiming like who they are. And here I was going, I, I have no idea what's going on. She taught me so much and especially taught me how to turn it off because it was on. So it took me several years to practice how to not look at the pretty lights and the disembodied, lovely, angelic beings, (laughs) because they're everywhere. I know we think that space around you is quite empty, but goodness, is it full of some wonderful stuff. And I had to practice pulling back. And so it's crazy. Most of my community and friends were practicing getting into it. So getting into transcendental meditation, getting into altered states of consciousness. And here I was like reeling myself back in and trying to make myself stay in a beta brainwave, stay awake. And I actually had the pleasure of going down to Brazil and working with a a team 
who hooked me up to a bunch of computers to measure brainwaves. And they did one round of tests and they came back and they said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Butler, but I don't think our equipment works. So we would like to do this again. I said, that's fine. I'm here. So we did it all over again. And if you've never done this before, they'll have you do certain mental activities. So multitask and high focus to get the beta brain waves going. They'll have you daydream. They'll have you go into meditation, deep meditation, and they can also measure you during sleep states. So in your everyday awakeness, you are operating on a beta, high neurotransmitters popping off. When you're daydreaming, it's alpha. And when I was sitting there doing my awake state energy, like talking to them, I was in beta. Uh, I was in alpha, sorry. So my, this is where they thought it was broken. They were like, no, we really need you to talk to us and focus and solve this problem. And I was like, oh, okay. Alpha state. And they were like, now go into meditation. And I was like, meditation with guides or without guides? Because that was very different for me. <laughs> uh, meditation with guides. Okay, I go there and I had beta brainwave in my deep meditation, which didn't make sense. I learned a lot about myself and how I naturally function. It was really helpful in how to slowly turn off those connections to subtle light energy so I could play the role as human which is what I signed up for. And I'm very proud to, to be this. I'm not trying to step over it into only being a spiritually enlightened being. I really like to prioritize my humanness. I feel like that is an extremely important role and responsibility that we took on. And it's something to learn from. So yeah, that was a lot of talking. So. No, I love it. Um, <clears throat> but I also really love that you said, stay awake which so many people are trying to wake up or don't even realize they want to wake up. And for you, it's like, be human, stay awake. But if you want to be more human, maybe you need to go a little bit more asleep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think but there's it's... so many other people out there that are like this too and yeah. don't necessarily have the language for it. And not enough people are talking about it. So they think that they are just checked out or out of space or maybe mentally imbalanced or unhealthy when really it's a beautiful psychic spiritual connection that they have. Yeah. Now, in addition to seeing all of your, all of the guides and the disembodied spirits and the lights and so forth, you are a trance channel, which is a little bit less common. Not that channeling is super common, but not a lot of people do trance channeling. So can you, let's start by, can you explain what's unique about trance channeling? The way that I describe trance channeling is in different phases Trance just means to be in an altered state of consciousness. And some of us do that so easily, like highway hypnosis. When you're driving your car and you kind of come to and you go, oh, I don't, I don't remember driving the last few miles, but you're still safe and everything. That is an altered state of consciousness. So it's using slower and lower brain waves to allow other frequencies to merge or enter into the physical body to deliver messages and communicate. So the way that I work is I do full body incorporation. So I drop my brain waves and to me, it feels like I fall asleep. I fall back, I fall asleep. I don't have memory or recollection of what words are coming through my body or what actions are being taken. And then I kind of come to, but in the meanwhile, an entity that 
is working with me or is working with my client that has, I don't necessarily want to say gone through my protection layers, but like we have an agreement that we are going to do this work and there's a level of respect between them and my physical body. And I allow them to come through, deliver messages. And then when they are done, they return my body back to its original health or better so that then I can enjoy a benefit of doing the work because it kind of creates a gap in my mind. I could consider it the fountain of youth, like I didn't live that time. So every time I do it, I get younger and younger, but it's probably not what's happening. (laughs) For you, so does it, from your perspective, is it as though you have fallen asleep? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's sometimes I get some visuals, but that's more of a rarity. I will see colors sometimes. But you know that, have you ever gone to bed when you're really, really tired And you feel your body lift a little bit and you're like, ooh, I'm about to go to sleep. And like you can identify it and your body goes, oh. Yeah. That's exactly what it feels like to me. Okay. Is there like a, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, I can edit this if I can't get this quite right, but like a location that you bring your consciousness, because you talk about lowering your brain waves. And I'm curious if you can like track where your attention goes and it's like, oh, if I can drop it into this location, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. It's hard to explain. We're actually talking about this in class today. I teach approaching trans-channeling class and um, that was a strange sound. (laughs) I didn't know if it was just me hearing that. It was wild. I don't know what that was. <laughs> in in yogic practices, sometimes they'll call it the cave of Brahma. It's that mm-hmm. space above the roof of your mouth, kind of beneath your pineal and pituitary gland in your head. There is a space that is in my head, kind of back on the backside, but still in the center. Mm-hmm. And through a monotasking approach where you're just focusing on the single present moment, you, me, I'm speaking for myself, I can feel myself come into it. And of course, when you're going through stages of trance, altered states of consciousness, you'll come across different signals and signs. The first one is lighthearted, easy breezy, muscles are relaxed, daydreaming. And then the next phase is you get into the kind of this body dysmorphia. You feel like your elbows can bend backwards and like your tongue gets fluffy or you feel like your perspective is far above your eyeballs. You're not really in your head. So you have to adjust and kind of get used to this body dysmorphia phase. But for me, my tongue kind of gets fat and fluffy. feels like it's way too big for my mouth. And I hear spirit with my outside ears, are you ready? And I usually nod my head, and that is my signal that I'm going to do this. We're about to fall back on a cliff. Just kind of fall back. Imagine you're falling onto like a fluffy bed when going into a deep sleep. And when I fall back, I feel like I'm falling up into that space in my head and out and away. Oh, interesting. That's so fascinating because in my own experience, I'm not a channeler, but in my own experiences, there are times like, I guess it's, I can never remember the word hypnagogic. You love it. Yes. The Um, hypnagogic state. Yes. So like, and it 
and maybe I'm not using that correctly, but like I'm going to sleep, but then I don't go to sleep, but I go into an altered state of consciousness and I can see colors and geometries and patterns and they're moving a lot of like toroidal things or columns with like high domed hallways and things like that. But for a while that was more spontaneous. It was like, I, it, I would always be really happy when it showed up, but I didn't know how to make myself do it. Do you want to know how? Yes. But this is where the root of this question, because I'm kind of learning like, oh, I can pay attention. This is one of the ways that I'm experimenting where I'm like, oh, I can pay attention to where my focus is in my brain and I can move it around and like, okay, what happens if I'm here and how does that change what I'm seeing and all of this? But please tell me. (laughs) I love that you're exploring this. This is one of the homeworks I give my students to explore altered states of consciousness. When when you go to bed, it, it lasts somewhere between 30 seconds, two minutes on an average, but you can stretch this hypnagogic state out for like 10 minutes. It's where the consciousness meets the subconscious and they change pole positions. Now subconscious is leading. But if you can keep your active beta brain a, a like alert as you're going through this, then you can stay conscious while your subconscious is in control. So it kind of parallels a little bit if you've delved into the world of like theta healing and looking at using theta brainwave states to reprogram and to help wound healing. And Mm -hmm. so it's where you are conscious in the unconscious. So this is for anybody to try. I hope you do this. And if you have somebody who sleeps in the same bed, just let them know what you're up to so that they're not going to think something's wrong with you or weird. So (laughs) go to bed when you're really tired. Don't go to bed to read a book or to look at your phone. Go to bed when you're tired. That's key. And when you get into bed, lay on your back. If you're a side sleeper, I deeply apologize for this moment. Just get on your back, stuff pillows underneath your knees, your neck, get comfortable. For a brief moment, I want you to think about your spirit team or your guides, or maybe there's a loved one that you want to connect to. Think about them, not about who they are, but about them. Like, what do they look like? How do they laugh? What do they wear? How do they move? But I don't want you to go into who are they to you because I don't want you to really link to any kind of memories and just have a go at bringing memories to the foreground. I want you to have a new experience. And to create a new experience, I want you to think about not who they are, but what they look like, what they sound Mm -hmm. like, how they move. If you need a photograph, you can look at a photograph. That might help. And then you do your intent, your blessing, your prayers, your statements, whatever that is to kind of gather your team around and stay safe, whatever words those are. Then you're going to do the odd thing by putting your arm up in the air and point your fingertips to the ceiling. <laughs> so you're going to sleep so when you're above your head. Totally. So okay. you're laying on your back. So your arm is like a nine degree with your fingers pointing towards the ceiling. <laughs> so you, would it be like against the headboard? Cause it, or do you just hold it? You hold it. So you're on your back and you've got your arm pointing to the ceiling. You're looking at the ceiling. You're just going to drop your shoulder back and just prop it up. You're going to tell yourself, go to sleep. Close your eyes, go to sleep. Run the program. 
because your body wants to run the program. It's tired. So the brain starts to go run the program and goes, wait, we got an arm out of place, people. Yeah, like, hey, yeah don't worry about that. You just want to have your brain overlook it. Yeah, no, no, it's totally fine. So relax deeper and deeper. And if your arm starts to drop, don't move any other muscles. Just gently take your arm and place your fingertips back to the ceiling. So this is just enough of awkwardness to keep the brain alert because something is out of place to where you have beta access while you're falling into theta and falling into sleep. So this way you can lengthen your hypnagogic stage and access your subconscious. So you're also going to go through those stages of trance we were just talking about where you feel light and fluffy, breezy, peaceful, and then you'll get into some body dysmorphia weirdness. Or you might get that hypnagogic body jerk where the whole body just like, you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you might even make a noise, you know, like, <laughs> like you're like, what was yeah. that? <laughs> it's all right. It's, it's, it's your body is trying to run sleep program. You're just staying awake for it. Um, then you're going to go through what they call the hypnagogic hallucinations, seeing flashes of bright white light. You might hear voices that sound like they're in the other room and they're talking, but you can't make sense of it. You might hear music. So that's all very normal. And then here is the paranormal beautifulness of it when you stay awake for it, is those hallucinations start to come forward and have what we call meaning or connection. All of a sudden, the voices that sound like they're in the other room get closer, and now they're talking to you, and they're using your name. Hey, Kara, it's me. Nice to see you again. This is so wonderful. Thank you. They give you a message. Sometimes you clearly see their faces. Sometimes you clearly see your bedroom, even though you know you have your eyes closed. Sometimes you feel like you're traveling or moving, which can lead to astral projection or outer body experiences. So it, it is the experiences that you have that give you meaning or message is what we call the paranormal or psychic activity. The rest of the flaring off and colors and blobs, scientifically, we just kind of want to say that's the brain firing off from concepts and ideas from the day and it's trying to go to sleep. So we just kind of group them into those two extremes. Now, obviously, there's going to be ones that are in the middle that have a little bit of crazy and a little bit of message. It's just what your experience is going to be. But I highly recommend playing in that area. I'm so excited oh, wow. to hear that you know the hypnagogic state. I think it was Lori who maybe when I've talked to her about this, I feel like she's, I've heard it before, but I think that she was like, yeah, because I was calling it the theta state. And then I was like, I think that's the word that she used. But so she learned it from you. Uh -huh. <laughs> it, it's a big circle, Jamie. <laughs> In my excitement. <laughs> yeah. So talk a little bit about the beings that you channel. I know there's, is it Matt Maitland? Yes. Am I saying that correctly? Maitland, this adorable nine-year-old. How I'd love to hear about the beings and just how they came to you. Well, that teacher, Marguerite Romes, that put me under her wing in her home classes, she could trance channel. And she was probably in her late 60s. She had a metal-fused hip which meant that she could move it forward and backwards, but she couldn't put it in a tailor position to do crisscross applesauce. And she even brought out x-rays and showed us the metal plate. 
you could feel the bolts in her skin. Like this was verified. It wasn't just somebody saying. And she would channel and this little girl came in named Maitland. And Maitland would fold her legs up, fold them up completely. And we're all sitting there like, what the hell? Is she going to be able to come out of this? Are we going to have a stuck hip? I couldn't. (laughs) I couldn't understand. I couldn't put the pieces together how that was happening. And Maitland would give messages and sing, and she was just so happy. And then one day my teacher, we gathered for class. We'd gather every Tuesday night, and she goes, Jamie, tonight you were going to channel. And I remember telling her, no, thank you. (laughs) I'm not interested in that crazy. That's fine. And she goes, but you have the ability. Why why wouldn't you want to explore it? I go, because... That's creepy. That's intense. So she goes, let's just try anyways. She's very persuasive. I love her so much. And she guided me like hypnosis, guided me down. And Maitland uh, came into my body. I don't remember what she said. Apparently, she gave a message to each person in the room, which is about 25 people. And then I remember not wanting to come back to my body seeing the top side of my head, which is a little out of the ordinary to be able to see your You were outside and you could, oh, wow. (laughs) It was alarming. I remember trying to put my arms out to stop myself from going back in. That didn't work, by the way. I came back in and it was just like, what happened? I felt like I blanked out or that I had been drugged. Like it was an experience. And my teacher goes, see, I told you, you could do this. We're going to work on this. I was like, okay. So under her persuasion, I learned how to do this. And then I started when I moved to Atlanta to do monthly channelings where Maitland would come in first. And as I get older, Maitland still stays nine years old, which is a... A little interesting. I've been working with her from my early 20s and now I'm 50s. There's things Oh my gosh, that fountain of youth that you're talking about (laughs) is true. I had no idea. I thought I might have been a little bit older than you. I'm 45. (laughs) Yeah. Older than? No way. I thought, yeah. I was like, (laughs) I don't know. She's, I think she might be in her 30s, but (gasps) like, (laughs) no. Gonna be. 51 in a little bit. Yeah. So when I work with her and she's nine and and here I am getting older and older, it does kind of feel a little awkward, but I've known her for so long. There's some things that I do in my day-to-day personality and I laugh and I go, that's Maitland. When you hang out with somebody, like when you marry somebody or you're best friends with somebody for so long, you guys take on a little bit of your personalities. You blend them a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's things I do and I go, oh gosh, that's, that's Maitland. And I crack up when, when I was writing my book with love and light, I met another guy named Grace, completely different frequency than Maitland. Maitland is more, as you guess, youthful, playful, um, teasing, uh, after trance channeling Maitland in class, she would come home and she would lock me out of my house, deadbolt. Deadbolt lock, the kind <laughs> when you have to have a key on either side. Oh, yeah. just so, to tease you. Just, just to have fun. fun. Just yeah. have fun. You go and get the mail, you come back and it's deadbolted. 
but there's like a little sprite or something. (laughs) She did some crazy stuff. My roommates and I were just like, what in the world? We would document everything. We'd find our keys in the freezer. Oh my gosh. I remember one night she kept the key ring on the hook swinging for over two hours. And we just all sat at the dining room table and watched the keys go. Every now and then we'd get up and go, seriously, nobody has a string on this? And wow. We weren't trying to tease each other, but Maitland is very much a lovely prankster. She really likes to get your attention, to wow you in a way, but also to show you that life is fun. We are here to have some fun. When I met Grace, who is the other spirit that I channel quite frequently, night and day, it was very difficult to kind of merge with her. Sometimes I could channel her for over two hours and she wouldn't move any muscle in my body but my mouth. Whereas Maitland grabs everything, touches everything, moves clothing, anything. (laughs) That sounded funny. So Grace to me was more of that angelic presence and being. She had a type of knowledge that was beyond my thinking brain. And she taught me so much, not just in, in writing my story, but in who I am. And she continues today to teach classes. We have, I have a YouTube channel and I have a membership there. And on the middle tier, I offer trance channeled classes. So you can show up and talk to spirit about the topic that they are covering And these classes continue, even though I have a friendship with her, continue to blow me out of the water. Like my thinking brain still is going, wow. Even after 30 odd years of being in this intensely, I am still impressed, wowed. I'm still learning. And to me, that's so exciting. I will not say that I have reached a pinnacle where I know a lot of stuff because I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, right? I, I do feel like that's a symbol of how much people do know when they recognize that because by any standards, you know so much. You're, the classes that are available that you okay. offer and the, the just the knowledge and watching your work, you know a ton. And I feel like I have to be more careful with the people who are like, well, if, if you want to know anything, I'm your person. <laughs> I'll just, yeah, I've learned it all. I've seen it all. It's like, in my experience, like the more I know, the more I'm like, whoa, I had no idea that was even possible. Or the amount of times that things kind of circle back where I've like dismissed something that I thought was true for a long time. And then I'm like, oh, that thing that I dismissed years ago and I thought that was like incorrect. It's like that there is a lot of truth in that. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's like anything is possible. It's really yeah. taught me a lot about holding any information and coming from a non-judgmental place. Shredding and eliminating the seat of judgment when experiencing something new or unknown was definitely a, a discipline to begin with, to discover how to do that. But it is, in my opinion, <laughs> like the place. It is my safety place is to sit without judgment and to experience 
Right. I feel too that, that we can't really grow otherwise too. If we're so huh. holding on to what we think we know, there's yeah. we can't fit in new things to blow us away. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about if there are common themes that kind of come through, maybe more, because I'm sure if, if you've been doing this for 30 years, that maybe as it, in any given point, there are different sort of themes that come up. One thing that I heard Maitland talking about recently was the different po- future possibilities. And I feel like there, there's so many kind of like stages of awakening or level of awakening, and it can be easy to get stuck in this like, you're being manipulated and humanity is being manipulated and there's no way out. You're, it's all out of your control and so forth. And, and so I'm, I don't know if you have anything on that in terms of like the future still being written and what it means when we buy into anybody else's version of the future or, or any other themes that are rising up right now. (laughs) So is that more of like a predestined or destiny that you're talking about? Like something is written in stone, it's going to play out no matter what? Yeah, or people who are drawn to this type of work might be really drawn into other people's work who they're saying, this is what's coming. And then, um, you know, some kind of big tragic event that is inevitable, but, you know, what that does to us as creators and so forth. I don't know if any of that resonates, but it so does resonate, Kara, because it's a it's something to be cautious and aware of because the mm, how do I want to word this? Uh, spiritual people with good intent. There was a, a lot of labels and judgment in that sentence, but I hope you understand where I'm coming <laughs> from. <laughs> spiritual people with compassionate hearts can still present information with confidence that can disempower the listener. Right. And when the leader or the speaker has that tone and can express that compassion, it can get multiple minds into the same thought pattern into what we call the mass consciousness. And when we do that, we are co-creating that experience and moving forward. So yes, there's there still needs to be conversation about what's going to be happening in the future. We are humans, and I think we're born with a risk assessment <laughs> left side of the brain that's highly active, and we give it a lot of attention and power. And we're moving and switching to the right side of the brain for that intuitive creativity, romance side. We still need to talk about what's happening in the future so that we can create what we want to go towards instead of create what we want to avoid. It's all perspective. Where you focus is what you're going to grow, even if you're focusing on the no, 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 I don't want it, but that's all you're thinking about, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get the no, no, no thing that you didn't want because it's all that you were holding in your head, your heart, your worry, your fear, your concern. That's what you gave birth to. So if we can talk about future, sure, look at some predictions. Absolutely. I I think they're quite fun, but I like to remind my listeners, clients to always check in with yourself and to ask yourself, what do you want to co-create? What do you want to co-create? I know you might see yourself as a single entity 
and that might not seem strong enough for you to make an influence in the greater big future world out there, but it is because you can knock over one domino that knocks over the next and then sure enough, thousands and millions and billions of dominoes are being knocked over because of this one act of creation that you gave from yourself. So do keep your own power. And if, I don't know, this is like unsolicited advice here from my experience, (laughs) but if you're around other spiritualists or people who can see into the future or getting premonitions or getting concepts, ideas, or reading books about it or anything of that nature, and you're coming across something that you don't enjoy, step down from it. Spend equal amount of time of thinking, feeling, and embody what you do align with because then that is what you're going to end up with. I don't think we give, this is why I love that you're out there talking about meditation and getting people to be in their own bodies. Meditation is not escapism. It's not disassociation. It is like threading to every little energetic detail in your life and holding it all with love and compassion. It's so powerful that if we can get people to connect in that way, that they can then begin to create their own outcomes. Kind of lost my forward thinking there because I really enjoyed the visual of threading all the energy things together. I saw that in my head very clear for some reason. Oh, I love Um, it. But overall, just suggestion, however you want to take it, is definitely keep checking back in with self. What you've said resonates so much with me because there are different people that I listen to and they all have different flavors and some of them just really feel that they've done a lot of research They because they were so drawn to like, wait, humanity is being, we're we're being fooled and we're being siphoned Mm. from. And they've dedicated so much of their mental energy into like trying to understand that and then they want to share it so that other people understand it. And so I have, I never really went super deep into it, but I've had periods where I'm like, Ooh, what is this? And I like this person. So what are they talking about? But I notice like even not even just right after I watch something like that, but it could be the next day and I'm taking a shower and it's like, what's in this water? What am I, what am I standing under? What am I, what's in the shampoo? But I and it's just this, like, I feel like everything's against me and like, I am feel really vulnerable and I feel manipulated. And that's the lens with which I'm walking through my world in my day to day, like details of what's going on, just second guessing everything. And what's behind this? Like, what's the bigger purpose behind this? Like, How am I being manipulated to, you know, all of this. So I know for me personally, I have to be careful with that because I don't want to be in that space where I have my defenses up all the time. And I think that everything's out to get me. That's how it starts to feel. So I love the balance of like, don't put your head in the sand because yeah, we, there is something else happening here and we want to be informed, but it, but we also have responsibility to not like energize that unintentionally because we're feeding it energetically. I think we are powerful beyond understanding. And if there is anything that is trying to govern or take without permission, I fully believe that humans can 
supersede that and overwrite it. There, does anything come to mind or do you have any practices in terms of like, for me, one of the things, if I, if I feel like I'm checking in or tuning into something that I don't like, let's say chemtrails, for example, it's like you learn about chemtrails and then you see them and they upset you. And when I look at them, sometimes I'll be driving by myself and I'll say out loud, I do not consent, but it's just like, that's my vote as a human. I am here on this planet and I don't consent to this. And it's like, that's my, <laughs> it's, it makes me feel better. <laughs> but I don't that. know. <laughs> what a claim. <sighs> yeah. It's like, that's my vote, universe. I don't consent. I don't like this. You take care of it. <laughs> but I don't know. You probably have something more sophisticated, I'm guessing. That <laughs> I don't know if it's more sophisticated, but I have an active regimen of cleaning my own energy. And when I clean my energy, I clean it in the morning when I wake up and I clean it night before I go to bed. And I think about it in the terms of our four natural bodies. I clean the energy in our physical body, my physical body, my emotional body, my mental body, and my spirit body, my energetic field. And in the process of doing that, I come across sometimes cords or threads that are linked to sources or topics that don't feed me anymore. And so I release those, cut those, clean it. So it's like tending to my own energetic garden day and night. And that keeps me a little bit more balanced or in alignment, authentically me, rather than feeding off of other fears, concerns, topics, manipulation. Okay. I love that. Okay. So... You have so many resources to help people who want to develop their gifts. I'd love to hear about some of the offerings that are coming up for you that anybody can join into. If they're interested in becoming a little bit more like you. <laughs> Aww, or just being in a community who talks like this. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, over on YouTube. So it's Jamie Butler Medium on YouTube. I have once a week come in and just do talks. This is for everybody, but I also have a membership where I have book club. And if the author is deceased, we bring them in and we talk to the author about the content that we're reading. It's really wild. Ooh. And I do it on a format where you have video and microphone access so we can really talk about the content. And then I offer a healing or a meditation I also do the energy update once a month is free over on YouTube where Maitland Trans Channels are actually going to do it tomorrow. Ooh. She's going to talk about December 2023. So there's one for every month where she talks about the energy highs and lows, talks about which chakras in your body are going to be challenged, needed, supported. If you're into crystals, she'll highlight certain crystals and grids to help you harness the energy that's coming in. And then she also shares this cute little calendar if you're a YouTube member, so you can link those days. She's really detailed and overboard. Mm. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and I also have a Q&A. And so Grace teaches a class, and then we have a Q&A where you can ask personal questions, global questions, universal questions directly to spirit. But if you want to join any kind of classes or workshops, I have all of my content over on Learn It Live. So that's learnitlive.com forward slash Jamie Butler. And I have 
somewhere over 400, 500 classes and courses. It's crazy, but I've been there for a while. And I'm passionate about teaching and getting information out. So there you can find the Approaching Trans-Channeling series, or even I have it's a lovely beginner's course called Perceiving and Reading, where you learn how you perceive subtle light energy, whether you're clairvoyant, audient, cognizant, sentient, and we go through those styles. Then you learn how to perceive the energy and collect the information from it. So you can do auric readings, energy readings from your plant, your animals, your baby who's not speaking yet or as a, a business. And I have Reiki coming up. I, am, I understand you are also a Reiki master. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I love my Reiki. <laughs> yes. Yes. So powerful. Yes. So the way that I teach Reiki has a little bit more of a woo-woo touch to it, but I like to highlight the differences between traditional and modern and then my intuitive approach into it. But it's basic Dr. Yusui, classic Reiki. So I teach- And is that online, the Reiki also? Yeah. I Okay. Yes. It took me a while to learn how to do it, not in person, but COVID was a really good teacher. Yeah. Quarantine. Uh-huh. So now I do that, but I do all of my attunements individually. I don't do the group remote attunements. I just, okay. I like that personal touch and I take notes and then we regroup 10 days later as you're doing your homework and we talk about what your attunement was like and have you been processing the information. I think the follow through is really important when people are learning like how to hold higher frequencies. Yeah. If you're like me, when I get my aha moments, and they're like incredible. I'm like, I'm going to remember this forever. My life has changed, right? I'm going to hold this torch until the day I die. <laughs> and then like three days later, I even forgot that I was holding a torch. And I was like, yeah. I don't even remember why I was so gaga over that experience. That's stupid. Completely. Yes. <laughs> Those high frequencies come in and you can ride them for a short period. But if you're not staying connected to them, they evaporate. Yes. So it's the follow through that helps you hold on to that aha moment and embed it into your foundation. So I like to yes. do a lot of stretching things out and follow up and asking questions and just get you to stay on board. <laughs> I love that. So you have, I mean, you have a wealth of resources online and talk about this wellness center oh that my God. is coming up. Kara, I didn't know you knew about that. I know everything, Jimmy. <laughs> if you want anybody who knows everything, you've it's come you. to the right place. <laughs> Finally. I love this. Uh, yeah, I ran the Center for Love and Light for 13 years before quarantine. And when I could no longer sustain the space, the landlord was like, well, you got 30 days and you're out of here. So I had to close up 6,000 square feet of a spiritual wellness center and we were there. I was there for 13 years. So now I was approached and offered by some luminaires to give me a personal loan, which I don't know why I'm sharing all of this. I just find it so fascinating. I have to keep saying it out loud. That is um, amazing. To purchase a building, to reopen the Center for Love and Light here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I have my eyes on a church built in 1910. Over oh in Candler gosh. Park. I'm under contract right now, but it's I'm finding out all kinds of new crazy things like zoning is inappropriate and really? all of this, but it's just not stopping my heart for some reason. I am massively in alignment with this space and I feel like it's going to work out. It's going to be a very different journey, 
but we're going to, I'm going to renovate it and we will have a space now to do like national lectures on metaphysical topics. We'll have our first metaphysical library in Atlanta where you can come and rent books, a little coffee shop, and we're going to have the first Faraday room that you can so come tell in. tell us what that is. Oh, have you been in a Faraday room? No. Oh my gosh. I want to invite you when we have it set up, please. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> it is a copper mesh room that allows no electromagnetic frequencies to come through. So no radio, phone, internet, microwave, nothing. It's like going back in time. You get in there, you close the door, and there's nothing to compete with. And now you're left with your electrical circuitry just on your own, not in relationship to anything else out there in the world. So when I first stepped into one, and I had built one a long time ago, they're kind of expensive, but uh, I since don't have it in my possession, but I noticed that I have a headache and I didn't know I had a headache. I have a constant really? headache. Now I'm wow. aware of it, which pisses me off, but you know, <laughs> I deal with it now. I deal with it with love and you know kindness. But when I get into the Faraday room, the tension behind my eyeballs drop and there's so much more that I can feel and your sensitivities arise. So I'm going to build it big enough where we can have fun things like Tuesday night card night game and you come and you play an hour or two of card games, but you're sitting in a Faraday box where you're, you're able to self-heal. So people who are highly sensitive, it's a great place to come. You can rent it out for meditations. You can stay in it for the day. Like it's just, it's wonderful. Wow. So things like that and psychomantium, which is a sensory deprivation room. And I'm way into blending spirituality with science so we'll have biofeedback gloves and machines that you can do tests and practice your psi or telepathic abilities. And it'll be a lot of fun. That and practitioners, of course. We'll have healers and physical therapists and readers and everything that will be in-house that you can come for as well if you don't want to just show up for the library or the events. Wow. So do you have an idea of when this might come to fruition? If everything is going smooth, we'll probably be opening in July or August of next year. Wow. Yes. That's wonderful. <laughs> Let's all hold that in our consciousness. Oh, Draw that to you. us. <laughs> yeah. It feels like you, there might just be some timeline adjustments. You know, mm -hmm. if there are zoning issues and stuff like that, it's, it'll be interesting to see what things kind of just drop away on this journey as yes. humanity keeps tweaking what timelines we're on. Yes. Isn't that strange to feel that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a well, whole other conversation. Oh my gosh. Next time, come back and we'll talk about timelines. <laughs> Come back. I'll let you talk to Maitland and you can talk to her about timelines. Oh, I would love that. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. That would be fun because you would have yeah. the questions because you know everything and you're the center source of everything. Oh, right. Yes. You know what to ask of her. <laughs> Maybe Maitland wants to ask me questions. That's <laughs> I can almost do it with not even close to a straight face, but... <laughs> 
That would be so much fun. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Jamie, this has just been, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you're doing for humanity, for the awakening, and just to help people get in touch with the higher version of themselves. And I just, it's been really an honor, a joy, and a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I cannot say that enough. This has been wonderful. Just easy breezy conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to ask you for one quick favor, and that's to share this episode with one person who you think will benefit from it. Let them know you're thinking about them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.